Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. So good to see you all this morning. Welcome. Glad you're here. This rainy spring day in the Pacific Northwest, huh? So, um, well, I was going to say tell you something. I forget what I was going to tell you now. Oh, well. That's what happens. We, uh, we started a new series last week titled Love Is, if you can put that there. Oh, it's already up there. Look at that. Um, kind of a deep dive into 1 Corinthians 13. With the, uh, I suppose the, the goal, the focus is to attempt to answer the question, what, is love, love, what does love look like? What does love look like? In our introduction last week, if you weren't here, we said love is more than a feeling. That it is a commitment. It's a... Uh, a conscious decision to put the object of your love ahead of yourself, to make that a priority in your life. Therefore, it's visible, it's tangible, it's concrete, it's practical. John Wimber used to say it has shoe leather, and he meant that you walk it out day by day. Uh, We're going to continue this morning um, with the first descriptor. Paul gives a number of descriptors. Uh, to the word love in 1 Corinthians 13. The first one is patient. This morning's title is Love is Patient. I, I found it, um, I, I guess this is how it works. It was interesting to me, kind of ironic, maybe uh, I, su- I suppose darkly humorous. Um, you know, as we were, uh, I was kind of, so we did, our previous series was on women in the word. And I was somewhere back in the that series and praying and thinking about what we would do next. I always try to have whatever's upcoming kind of in the queue, so to speak. And this idea came to me to do this series. So, uh, you know, I kind of had that lined up. And then over the past several weeks, a couple months really during that time, Donna and I have had our house on the market. We, we actually sold our house, and then we bought another house, and we were, packed most of our stuff up to move. And then uh, all of that kind of fell apart and unraveled on us. It was a long, it was day by day, waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, it, it, Doug's word by this way this morning, I don't, Doug didn't know I was going to talk on patience today, but uh, that was right on, on the money. But in any case... Um, through this whole process, I, you know, I, I was finding myself stressing out quite a bit over the whole thing, and then I'm looking at my topic for the week, and I go, "Love is patient." Oh, okay, I get it, um, but I guess that's how it works, right? As I was um, preparing and thinking about this week, you realize. 
uh, patience is an important issue. It's an important issue in life. It's mentioned repeatedly scripturally. I've got a few different verses, um, mostly in, from Paul's writings, that identify the importance of patience to us. First one is in Galatians. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there's no law. There's, there's no prohibition, no law, no, n- nothing holding us back from those things. Love is not only, or patience is not only a characteristic of love, it is a fruit of the Spirit as we grow in our spiritual life. That will be one of the byproducts. To Thessalonians, he writes, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and then I, I love this, be patient with everyone, <laughs> not just with some, not with the ones you like, not with the ones you agree with, but be patient with everyone. And then in uh, Colossians, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and of course, patience. You put it on. You you wear it with you all the time, like your uh, your favorite hoodie or something. You just keep pa- patience with you. Our core text for this is First Corinthians thirteen. And it, it comes, uh, you know, if you do the math, it's between uh, chapters 12 and 14. And that whole section, those three chapters, are an extended passage on spiritual gifts. Hence the comparisons Paul made last week. We talked about, uh, you know, with speaking in tongues or prophecy or even faith, uh, saying that, you know, while those things are good things, they're super helpful, they're beneficial to us. Without love, they really don't mean much. Um, so, so the, the point, I think, uh, of the whole passage here, really, is that it's possible to do a good thing without love. And if I'm, if I'm reading correctly, it's even possible to do a supernatural, spirit-inspired, uh, biblical, Holy Ghost thing without love. We can do all the right things, and if we do them without love, uh, Paul's admonishment towards us is they really don't mean anything. Um, and I, you know, I, I said this last week, but the, the same principle applies to the church as a whole. The church is, is a vehicle. The church is, is the, perp- the purpose we're here as the body of Christ, is to be a vehicle of God's love to a love-starved world. Uh, you know, so in, in, in the church universal today, there are, there are many, many different expressions. And, and frankly, I, I've shared before, I, I love that, I value that. I love that they're not all the same, that they're different. And, and I suppose within that, different churches do different things. They have different emphases, they have different focuses, different things, different ministries that they pour themselves into. And I love that. I love that there are all those different things. But, but at the end of the day, all of that, any of that, none of that matters if they're not done with love. We really are. That's what we're here to do, is to represent the love of Jesus to a love-starved world. And, and, and let me say, I, I, I mean, I'm not a prophet. The, the, the world is starved for love today. You know, look around. First John tells us, in, in First John, John tells us that we have passed from death to life when we love. 
I mean, again, if, I, if I'm understanding correctly, what he's saying is without love, we're really not living. You know, he also tells us live in love, but I think live with love or don't live at all is, is kind of the summation. The point of all this comes down to motivation. It's why do we do the things we do? Paul's list here is really a heart check. These are evaluators. Um, If you're walking in love, if you're living in love, you'll be patient. It's just that simple. It's not a to-do list. And I don't think we can approach it as a to-do list. We can't say, check, 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 I am these things. I think we have to flip that order and say, I want to live in love. And as I love, the, the outcome of that, the fruit of that, if you will, is that I will be a more patient person. Patience is also a characteristic of godliness. We understand that God is enduringly patient towards us. He uh, doesn't respond to us in anger. And that's what we're to look at, uh, is the picture of God's patience for us. It, we wait. Uh, sometimes we breathe, breathe. Uh, you know, you know we, we have to think things through before we respond. I... Uh, Shared last week, there were. Uh, I want to. I want to actually break for Greek again today. Let's do that. Break for Greek. Look at it. There it is. Boom shakalaka. Uh, go one more for me. Patience. The Greek word for patience is makrothumia, and it means patience or long suffering. Um, properly long tempered to defer anger, refusing to retaliate with anger because of human reasoning. The literal sense of the term is extending a long time. Showing divinely directed patience is long-suffering because it only expresses anger as the Lord directs. It's the opposite of being quick-tempered. So the point of that is that there's patience and anger are kind of diametrically opposed. I want to also break down anger for us uh, in the Greek. I don't have slides for it. I'm just going to, you're going to have to trust me, but you can look, look it up later. Um, there are, we, we saw four Greek words for love. Um, Greek is much more definitive sometimes than English. We, requ- we, we rely a lot on context. Um, the same is true for anger. There are three different Greek words for anger. The first is orge. Or, orge is what we might call righteous anger. It's being angry when you actually have a legitimate reason to be angry. So, for example, if you go to Costco and you're in shopping and when you come back, someone has taken a key and run it down the side of your car, you might be angry about that, but you would be justifiably angry that that happened. Um, but it's bigger than that, too. Uh, there, there can be a a righteous anger inside of us. You know, uh, Orge is Martin Luther King on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial saying, I have a dream. I have a dream that one day my four little kids will grow up in a country where they'll be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. I don't know if you've ever watched that, but he was angry when he said that. But it was a righteous anger. Orge is Jesus turning over the tables of the money changers in the temple. He was angry when he did that, but it was a righteous anger. 
So, so orge is an acceptable anger. Let's, uh, let's do this. Everybody say together, orge is okay. Orge is okay. There's a place for anger. The second word in Greek is paragiso. Paragiso is a submerged anger. It's anger that, para mean below, it's, it's an anger that is below the surface and it's bubbling and boiling down there. And, and so here's the thing. I want to try to give us some pictures of this. Sometimes, sometimes, people will confuse this for patience. They think it's patience because I'm angry, but I'm not venting. I'm not letting it out. I'm holding it in. But it's really not patience. It's not that at all. It's something completely different. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens. You're at work one day, and uh, you know your boss kind of jumps your case a little bit. He's kind of being a jerk. Maybe puts some extra work on you or criticizes you unjustly or whatever. And you're kind of angry about that, but you don't say anything because he's your boss. He could fire you. So instead, you just shove that down and it fumes and it bubbles below the surface. And you carry that around with you all day. and It's just there, just, just brewing. And so uh, then you drive home, but you're in traffic for a long time going home. And then you get home and you just unload on your spouse. That's not okay. Sometimes that same word paragizo is translated bitterness. It's long-standing anger. It's anger that festers. There's a third Greek word for anger as well. The third word is thumos, and it's the, word, it's the same root word we get thermal and thermometer from. So you, can, you get the idea. Thumos is hot. It's rage. Thumos is explosive anger. Paul gets this well in Ephesians. Go to the next slide for me. Go to. If uh, in your anger, do not sin. So anger, orge, in your anger. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your while you're still angry. Don't let your orge become paragiso. Don't let it simmer. Don't, that's, why, that's why we say don't go to bed angry because when it fumes, it simmers, it becomes unhealthy. And what happens when we do that is it gives the devil a foothold. That's a profound verse when you really meditate on it a little bit or look into it more. A- anger is a normal human emotion and, and it, it can be constructive, as we mentioned. Um, but we don't, want to, we don't want to let it fester. We want to deal with it in a timely way, and we want to deal with it appropriately. If we don't, then it, it transitions, and, and what starts as a righteous anger, possibly orge, becomes paragiso, and it can come out as a thumos. It's explosive. So it is important to learn how to process anger effectively and timely, in a timely way. Um, Another thing that happens, and let me, I really want, I want to identify these things because I think they're important to us, is that sometimes we don't want to express anger to others, so we hold it in, and what can happen over time, and we see this in culture today, is that it becomes internalized, and we turn anger at other things towards ourselves, and that becomes depression, it becomes self-hatred, it can become all kinds of things that will lead us to, uh, it can lead to all kinds of, you know, cultural, societal sort of issues that we see today, uh, both internally, externally. It's not healthy at all. So here's the problem for us, and this is, as Christians, you know, we're believers, we're people of faith, 
sometimes we think that orge is the opposite of patience, that it's never okay to be angry. We can't be angry, so uh, we, we stuff that anger when really there is a, a legitimate place that's beneficial for us to express that. And we think that the, you know, the opposite, that the pargiso, stuffing anger, is really patience. And so there's a, there's a, we, we confuse how these things really work, and it becomes very unhealthy. That really is a recipe for disaster, and I think it causes a lot of problems. Um, it leads to dysfunction in relationships, in family. It can lead to dysfunction uh, in, in a church. It can lead to dysfunction in, it just in life in general. So how, how we, it's, I think these three different kinds of anger are helpful to understand and how we process those things. Um, it's imperative. It's imperative that we distinguish between what real patience is and, and how we process anger. The point of the passage, and here's the thing, it's not to necessarily focus on externals. Um, the focus is this. What kind of person am I? What kind of person am I? Person am I? Am, am I a person? Am I, am I concerned about not look? You know, I want, do I want to look patient? Do I want to look like things are good on the outside while I'm fuming on the inside? No, I don't want to do that. I want to be someone who is genuinely slow to anger. Someone who genuinely learns how to process. Uh, anger uh, in a healthy and effective way, who doesn't allow things to build up and become explosive. Um, God wants us to embrace life in Christ, to embrace uh, his love, to grow in love. And as we grow in love, the out, one of the outcome, the fruit, as we said, will be patience in our life. So, so what's the connection between patience and, uh, and agape love? Agape love and patience. How do, how do they connect? I want you to think about a time, uh, you don't have to, to share this, but just think about a time when you were impatient with something. As you think of that, what was going on in your mind at that moment? Were you thinking that maybe someone you were impatient with was deeply valued by God, that they're created in His image? that they were um, of inestimable value to Jesus, that Jesus died for them. No, you, you probably were not thinking those things. Probably more, more likely you were thinking um, that this person is not cooperating with my agenda. Last week I, uh, I teased my Prius driving friends, um, but it's such a classic example, really, you know, uh, I'm 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 in a hurry, and I'm probably in a hurry because I left late. And I didn't allow enough time to get where I'm supposed to be. Now I'm going to be late for a meeting, so I'm trying to get there. And the person in front of me is probably driving at a safe speed, and they're driving carefully and cautiously, but they're in my way. They're in my way because, as everyone knows, it's all about me. It's all about me. So uh, go to the next slide for me. The gap between our agenda and reality is called impatience. The gap between our agenda and reality is called impatience. It's hard. It's not hard. For, okay, first of all, it's not hard to be, thing, to be patient with things that we like, that we do well. 
It's easy to be patient in that context. It's much more difficult to be patient with things that we need patience with, right? Anybody get that? Um, Shopping. I don't shop, I buy. I, uh, I go to the grocery store, I have a list of however many, eight, nine items, I have that list on my phone. And when I get to the store, I don't get a cart, I get a little basket that I hang on my arm and I have that on the same arm that I have my phone in that same hand so that I have one hand free. And I go to the same grocery store all the time because I know where everything is. And so I go directly from point A to point B and pick up the items, put them in the basket, get to the 15 items or less self-checkout counter and I am out the door in nine minutes flat. Unless... There's some guy there with his three kids. They're on a family outing. They're making memories. And his shopping cart is parked sideways in the aisle. His kids are running around and the little one's sitting on the floor eating Fruit Loops out of the box. And they're in the way of me getting to where I need to be and they're slowing down my process. I shop alone. Donna and I have very different approaches to shopping. Donna also has a list, but she starts at one end of the store and goes up and down every aisle. And as she gets to the items on her list, she puts them in the basket. But she, along the way, will stop and look at other items. And then she does this. She compares the labels of two products. Oh, this one has 30% more sugar than this one. This one's much more healthy. I'll get that one. Who cares? It takes time to do those things. I'm not a patient shopper, in case you didn't get the gist of all that. Another thing that happens is it's really easy to be impatient with people who are struggling with things that we have already overcome. Anyone? Come on, man, get with it. I did that in two weeks. Or the supposed to's. You know, you're, you're supposed to stop wetting the bed by three years old. You're supposed to read by five. You're supposed to know algebra by, when do kids know algebra? Twelve? Nine? You're supposed to. You're supposed to do these things. And if you don't, what's wrong with you? We typically judge out of our success. We've overcome that. We've crossed that threshold. And so why aren't, haven't you? And that's just not love at all. Impatience can be very, very damaging to the people around us. It's really a bigger issue than probably some of us allow it to be sometimes. You know, what is wrong with you? Get with it, man. Try harder. Grow up. Impatience is imposing the supposed tos on other people. Uh, you know, who made us the judge of the supposed tos? Our goal should be to replicate the love of God towards us in the lives of others around us and to ascribe worth and value to them, not judge them. Now, there's context to all this, right? If you're the boss, if you're a supervisor at work, you may there may be a time in which you have to spur your employees on a little bit. If you're a coach of an athletic team, uh, you there's a place for you to to 
move your your players along. Okay, um, some sometimes we too much patience can be harmful as well. I want to make sure we qualify that it can be dysfunctional to be overly patient. Sometimes people need to be confronted. They need they need to be uh, moved forward. We need to draw a line. That is loving. We we establish boundaries and parameters and so forth. Uh, that 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 is not inconsistent with love. But typically, that's not what patience is about. Typically, patience is, as we said, about me. It's about impatience is about me. Uh, that's when we're impatient. Is when our agenda is not being fulfilled the way we think it should. When we think it should. And it's at those moments uh, I have to stop and <laughs> realize God is infinitely patient with me. There are things that I have not grown into or achieved or accomplished yet. So love is patient. As we grow in love, uh, we become more patient. Um, when we're, and again, as according to several of the scriptures we read, you know, patience and anger are two opposite ends of the spectrum. And so, uh, when we're angry, we want to learn to deal with that in patience. Uh, stuffing anger is not the way to go. Um, and it's not all about behavior. It really is about the condition of our heart. It's about making God... It, it's, we, we, it's taking ourselves out of the center and putting God in the center. I'm not the center of my life. God is the center of my life. I want to close with a passage from Romans that I think sums this up. Uh, you're familiar with it, but why don't you just listen and maybe if you want to close your eyes and I'll, I'll, I'll read this and just consider uh, the patience of God. You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you, not, do, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.